0: This is the weekend edition of The Core Report.
1: Welcome to The Core Report, the special energy series. It's not often that you get to speak to one of the oldest companies in India, and as it happens, the oldest oil company in India, which was started in the northeast of India and began drilling for oil in 1891. So that makes it more than a century old. And it's very interesting how the trajectory of a company like Oil India has spanned from drilling and oil exploration to production and to refining, which is a more recent acquisition, and down to, of course, uh, all the non-conventional energy options. And finally, including or rather embracing the startup universe to bring in technology and innovation into the ecosystem. So my guest for today is Dr. Ranjit Rath, the Chairman and Managing Director of uh, Oil India Limited. And uh, Dr. Rath is uh, an alumnus of IIT Bombay and IIT Kharagpur, and he is a geologist, and that's something that we hope to ask him a little more about. Mr. Rath, thank you so much for joining me today. It's indeed a pleasure of sorts to be talking to the oldest oil company in the country, and perhaps the newest when it comes to some of the things that you're doing. So let's talk a little bit about the history, and the only reason is because... Everyone may know Oil India Limited, but may not be fully conversant with its history and how the history determines the way its business is structured and laid out.
0: Yeah, thanks, Gobind. Uh, it's a warm good morning from this side of uh, Oil India Limited. And I'm glad that you asked a question, which is so relevant and close to my heart. Oil India is uh, actually a legacy company. It dates back to 1889 when the first discovery of crude oil happened in this part of the globe at a place called Dig Boy. And uh, for all the viewers, uh, I would like to say that the name Dig Boy came from the discussion or the direction by the then geologists or the road builders or the railway track builders. They said Dig Boy Dig. That's how Dig Boy came in. Means while the Assam Railway Trading Corporation were laying wooden slippers for the railway line to carry coal from north northeastern part of the country the elephants who were engaged had traces of crude oil in their feet. Because then, in those days, in Upper Assam, we would have sippages of crude oil. And I'm saying this in 1889, 100 plus years ago. After that followed a story or a narrative which unfolded, and Assam itself, where Oil India has its major operation, became one of the most productive, prolific, prospective, and steel producing basin. So that's the story of Oil India Limited. After that, in 1959, we became a joint venture company. And in 1981, I mean, as decent as it could be, Oil India became a national oil company. And as the story unfolded, we went for our listing. Oil India became a Navaratna and during August 2023, Oil India today is a Maharatna CPSC under the administrative control of the Ministry of Petroleum and Natural Gas. So that's the story of Oil India Limited. On a technical front, as you would appreciate, we have got the oldest mature oil fields, which, by virtue of sheer determination, and committed and a concerted strategy of handling the reservoirs which is located at a depth of about 2,000 meter to 4,000 meter, we are still producing and we are maintaining our production. So for our viewers, what we are doing is when we started, oil was available at a depth of about 1,000 to 2,000 meters. But over the years, with the quest for oil, we continued our efforts to go deeper. And how much deep I would reveal when we will talk about our strategy for 2040.
1: Right. And uh, could you give us a sense of uh, Oil India's production in the context of uh, onshore, offshore in the country and the total oil crude consumption in the country or imports? Currently,
0: we are doing about 3 million metric. And uh, as we speak, we do not have any producing offshore field, but we do have a discovered small field in KG Basin, east coast of India. We have exploration acreages in Andaman Nicobar Basin, both east side and west side of Andaman Nicobar. And we have one acreage, open acreage licensing policy acreage in Kerala Konkan Basin. But our majority of production comes from our main producing area, which is the upper asa. Besides this, we also have a producing asset in the westernmost part of the country where the PML is extreme west. Beyond Jaisalmer, we have a basin. Uh, We
1: have uh, two assets where we are producing crude oil and natural gas. Right. And could you give us a sense on uh, Oil India's portfolio now? We talked about the drilling and uh, exploration, which is, of course, the oldest part. To the refining, which of course is the newest, and then we'll come to the renewables and everything that's maybe much more recent.
0: See, portfolio point of view, we have about 5,000 square kilometer of mining lease where we carry out our uh, near-field exploration, which is a continuous process, plus the production part. So that involves about 500 plus wells which are producing currently, and that spread from in the east. Easternmost is Digboi and beyond that we are producing fields in Arunachal Pradesh. There is a place called Kumchai and to the westernmost part of Lakwa Moran and noharkatia In fact, I must tell you that the post-independence, the first oil discovery happened in Assam cell. That place is called noharkatia and it is in 1953. Followed by 1956, we discovered Moran. and those oil wells are still producing. This apart, we, by virtue of oil, discovered in that part of the country, we also are the oldest pipeliner. So as we speak, we run a pipeline for crude oil for about 1,100 plus kilometers and a product line from Numaligat to Siliguri, which is about 600 plus kilometers. As far as the other portfolio is concerned, we have about, Ten assets abroad in seven countries, out of which some of them are exploratory assets, some of them are producing assets. And two flagship assets which I must mention in terms of our portfolio is, um, one is we have a couple of assets in Russia, which is highly yielding in terms of dividend. And we have one flagship asset in Mozambique which is the one of the richest uh, gas field. And it is one of our major single project, probably the highest investment. And we are looking forward to that particular project in gaining access to the natural gas, which will come to the east coast and west coast of the country. This apart, we are also having our presence across the gas value chain we have our gas pipeline, plus, we also have got geographical areas which PNGRB RB allocates in terms of providing CGD facilities, both CNG and PNG. So, from an upstream and midstream component, this is the portfolio. Interestingly, in 2021, we have got the Numaligar refinery as part of our downstream acquisition. So, this gives us the entire bandwidth to become an uh, integrated energy entity today.
1: Right. And here's a question to perhaps the geologist in you. So, if you were to look at the map of India today, as you said, many of those wells are producing oil for more than a century and perhaps will continue to produce for a long time. There are many wells, particularly offshore and some onshore, I'm guessing, which are yet to produce, but which may have potential to do so. What does it look to you today as you look uh, maybe a decade or two, where India will continue to produce from and perhaps find new wells if that could be found?
0: First of all, thank you very much for uh, posing this question and with the connotation the geologist in you, I'm very thrilled because the possibilities India offers today in terms of ENP is unbelievable huge potential is yet to be explored, that's what I strongly believe, for two reasons. One is uh, a bit of technical connotations, that today we have about 26 sedimentary basins, which is very nicely categorized into three categories, category 1, 2, one, 3. And it has got the commercial implication, that's why I'm giving this narrative. There are seven basins, which are category 1 basins, and there, we have proven hydrocarbon reserves, which is being produced. And out of the seven, we are producing from Assam self. We have our interest in the Tripura Basin. We have our interest in assam Arakan Fold Belt. Plus, we have also our interest in the Jaisalmer Basin. In terms of Category 2 and Category 3 Basin, the pathbreaking reforms which Government of India has brought in that if you instead of the pre-help uh, regime where uh, production sharing contract was the order of the day, through HELP during 2016-2017, government brought in a, a government of India brought in a reform where the ENP companies could offer their bids or offer their proposals or evince interest in large parcels of land tract or offshore areas which is that's why it's called open access licensing policy and another thing that was brought in is the revenue sharing contract by virtue of which if you were intending to do exploration in category 2 and category 3 basins the revenue commitment is nil and that speaks volume in terms of the opportunity that has been created plus in recent times government of india has unlocked about 1 million square kilometer of explorable area in both offshore of East Coast, offshore of West Coast and the andaman Nicobar Basin, which has made us available the deep and ultra-deep water areas, which has not been explored yet. To supplement this, government is now carrying out through Ministry of Petroleum and Natural Gas and Directorate General of Hydrocarbon the National Seismic Programme, where extensive data is being acquired in these areas and where Oil India was also mandated to do it. And as we speak in difficult terrains like the northeastern part of the country, the upper reach of Himalaya, the Buster, that is Central India Basin, it, Oil India is also carrying out airborne gravity gradiometry. The intent is to create a database which will entice the explorers like the National Oil Companies, both ONGC and Oil India, and also the IOCs or the NOCs of the globe. So to me, the opportunity is actually there. And with the now the ecosystem that has been created, we look forward to the future rounds of uh, OLP 9 and OLP 10 to go forward.
1: Right, and, and you talked about aerial survey, and let me bring in the technology aspect here and versus the resources that one has to commit to find the same additional barrel of oil. How does that stack up today versus, let's say, what it was earlier, and how bright, if so, is the future?
0: See, let's acknowledge the fact that uh, we are an ever-increasing consumer in terms of energy. Considering that, and oil and gas will continue to be the mainstay source of our energy. And today we are importing crude oil from across the globe and wide array of countries, about 85 to 86%. So the kind of energy hungry that we are, we need to explore, discover and produce to the limit. So given the production strategy that we have, While we have created a concerted strategy to enhance our production from our mining lease areas, we need to have a focused attention for exploration. For this, you have rightly posed the query. Now, what is required in terms of an explorer is a stable price point. Now, we are aware of the fact that it is extremely volatile that the fluctuation will always remain. Now, if the price point goes beyond a the threshold, there is a drop in the demand and then the price is brought down. So, as an explorer, we would always look forward to a stable or near fluctuation regime of price point that would help us a kind of a horizon to do our exploration. That's one in terms of crude oil. In terms of natural gas, recently government has done a pathbreaking decision of Offering a price point in terms of the nominated fields, where we otherwise were calling it as the APM gas, which is currently is about $6.5 per mmBTU, with also a possibility of having additional 20% if you discover new gas. So these things actually encourages us to look for new horizons, both in terms of XY plane. And in terms of jade, that is deeper depths to explore and produce for the country.
1: Right. Okay. So let's talk about the downstream part now. And uh, you acquired Numaliga Refinery a few years ago. That gives you uh, a foothold there. But that obviously comes at a time when you're also, in a way, thanks to what's happening around the world, looking to expand beyond conventional energy into non-conventional energy. How do you divide your uh, mind space and uh, resource allocation between these sort of downstream ambitions versus maybe, I don't know what's the right word, maybe organic ambitions?
0: I'll tell you, this has been the silver lining for Oil India in terms of NRL acquisition. A, we have been traditionally supplying to NRL in terms of crude oil and natural gas. So there was a very natural synergistic gain which happened. Given the fact that NRL is now, uh, we are expanding from 3 million ton to 9 million ton capacity. We are looking forward to complete the project before end of 2025. The idea is that it would create an opportunity to have enhanced crude portfolio. So whatever extra that Oil India would produce, we will find a market next door. That's one. Of course, NRL expansion would require uh, importing crude oil because I'm sure we are not targeting 9 million metric tons in the near horizon, which entails laying a pipeline, which, which probably would be the longest crude oil line, from Parateep to Numaligar refinery, about 1,640 kilometers. So that project is also on track. Now, beyond this, uh, I must tell you, in terms of our commitment towards the green energy portfolio, and given the clarion call of Honorable Prime Minister, Mr. Modi for looking at the various possibilities in terms of import substitution, the blending possibilities in both petrol, which is MS or diesel. Now the first narrative is we need to have the percentage blending in terms of ethanol in petrol. So now you must be knowing that the current commitment is to achieve 20% blending of ethanol in petrol. So to that effect, in NRL, we have got the first of its kind across the globe. No food controversy for food to fuel. The feedstock is bamboo. And in northeastern part of the country, we have plenty of bamboo available as part of the feedstock so basis bamboo as a feedstock we have got a joint venture company which is called assam biorefineries where we are going to produce ethanol that's one part of it. through our collaboration with assam petrochemicals basis the feedstock which is gas which we are producing from our field we are also converting we have got a 6 ton per day 600 tons per day methanol plant that methanol will get blended in diesel. So, this is actually the benefit or I call synergistic gain in terms of the downstream derivative. We didn't stop there. Now, considering the fact that the petrochemical intensity or the petrochemical consumption in the country is relatively lower than across the globe, we have also taken a decision of setting up a 360 kTPA or petrochemical plant which is a polypropylene unit, which will be the downstream of the Numaligar refinery expansion project. And we have already initiated work on this. So that's the kind of uh, portfolio we envisage as part of our downstream uh, uh, segment, including further derivatives.
1: Right. So as you look ahead, uh, Mr. Atso, let's say the next decade, and I don't want to go too far beyond that, What does Oil India look like? Uh, I know it's an energy company. I know it'll have all the elements that you've spoken of and more of it. That's drilling, pipelines, downstream refining, downstream uh, petrochemical production. And of course, the non-conventionals, which is bamboo-led or bamboo-driven, which is an interesting one because I've not heard of this in other cases. So if you were to put all of this together, can you sort of paint the picture?
0: It's a fantastic canvas to paint. You have multiple options. Currently, as we speak, we are actually running about 10 odd uh, studies in terms of various feasibility reports or detailed project reports. And all those actually pan out in 10 years' time, for which actually we have already created a strategy and a uh, diversification study as part of our uh, strategy exercise. One, we will have uh, augmented seismic data acquisition, uh, 3D seismic at that. To as we speak, uh, last year, we had drilled about uh, 45 wells. This year, we are looking at 60 plus wells. And this is primarily all in onshore. So it's not only a hike in the number, we are also looking at more deeper wells. The intent is to reach about 6,000 plus meters in terms of our drilling efforts, which will be both exploratory and production. And uh, going forward, we are looking at 75 plus uh, wells year after year. That's as part of the exploration portfolio is concerned.
1: Can I quickly interject a question? So you're saying 6,000 meters, which is six kilometers, uh, and, and it sounds pretty deep. How does that compare with uh, anywhere else in the world in terms of deep onshore drilling? Only a few areas uh,
0: you need to drill that deep. Permian Basin in US, there are certain deeper wells. The story of Assam self is very, very unique. Here, as we are drilling deeper, we are establishing more hydrocarbon. So the quest for hydrocarbon is actually driving us to not only attempt to drill deeper, the stack of sedimentary formations in this part of the globe, in the upper Assam, is absolutely thick. And we get very nice sandstone horizons, which is oil-bearing. So the quest for hydrocarbon, we are not only looking at deeper depth, we are also bringing in advent of technology to have multiple wells from a single well plane, which will be a radial one. And with a kind of J bent, we would have access to the formations which is otherwise initially not thinkable. And with, of course, availability of drilling rigs still remains a concern. That's as part of the uh, 10 year horizon in terms of exploration. In terms of production, we see a lot of opportunity to enhance our production from from the existing PML areas. And we are also hopeful, uh, rather optimist, that some of our open acreage licensing policy exploration efforts would also yield results. That's a very concerted strategy is going on in terms of our drilling in OLP uh, acreages. And we are hopeful of striking something. And though it is, uh, time will tell, but we'll have to wait and we have factored in that as part of our strategy. Otherwise, you would not commit your investment there in terms of production. Plus, we are also looking at creating a portfolio of utilizing those not so successful wells. Because every well that you drill need not or not necessarily gets converted to a production well. So those wells we want to utilize as part of our portfolio to create a mechanism where we could use for CO2 sequestration. That's one area which we are looking at as a very, very futuristic. And given the portfolio that we intend to have a net zero by 2040, we want to create that kind of a mechanism. Where we would create a carbon offshore process. So that's the other piece which is going to happen. Plus, the Andaman Nicobar uh, exploration acreage, we are going to spurt the well by mid 2025. That would actually open up Oil India's exploration efforts in offshore. And we are also looking forward to the OLP 9 and uh, OLP 10 bidding rounds where we would have. Possibly some acquisitions of OLP blocks and take up the exploration. And should there be any discovery, then we would also get into the field development part of it. And this besides, the alternative energy portfolio will continue to be harnessed. And we have already taken a decision that uh, we would create an Oil India Green Energy Limited. Of course, subject to approval of government. But that decision has already been taken. So does hydrogen and all come under that? or? Yes, we must tell you that we had already created the first pilot plan, basis solar energy source, electrolyzer and a hydrogen pilot plan. Plus, we have also got through our startup idea, a hydrogen fuel cell bus, which is under trial run right now. And as we look at it, With the Maligur refinery, we have already placed an order for 2.4 KTPA of uh, green hydrogen and we are going to scale it up. Plus, we are also looking at other possibilities of green hydrogen and green ammonia along with some fertilizer companies. And these things would actually come under the Oil India uh, Green Energy Limited, uh, which would possibly be a wholly owned subsidiary.
1: Right. And, and let me go back to conventional for a moment. And these are my last few questions. Uh, you know, uh, in the past, you've talked about, for example, the need for technology partnerships. And particularly when it comes to, let's say, uh, you know, drilling new wells or the ability to explore acreage that you've got. And you've got, as I understand, more than 60,000 square kilometers of it. So what's the kind of technology that exists in the world that uh, companies like Oil India could access or would need to access? And what would that specifically achieve?
0: See, I would narrate it in two parts. One is, uh, since this is our venture into, though we had drilled some offshore wells uh, off the coast of Odisha in Mahanadi offshore, those are in late 80s, early 90s. Now we are looking at deep and ultra-deep water So our effort along with uh, DGH and Ministry of Petroleum and Natural Gas through various road source, and through one-on-one interactions, is to have some collaboration with international oil companies or the NOCs of the globe who has got significant presence in option. It's more about de-risking the effort in terms of identifying the prospects. And as we speak, we are also got collaboration with some of the universities in USA and we are also having a good collaboration with IIT Bombay, IIT Kadakpur in the country. And we are looking at these studies, which is primarily called petroleum system modeling. And the extensive data, which was not available, gives us access to establish the prospectivity of the area. See, from an offshore exploration point of view, the serious factor that makes the well successful. Or not successful, but not a failure in terms of having understood the prospectivity of the location or the field or the basin. So, with the data that is available, with the software that is available today, we are looking at that and we are seeking collaboration with the IOCs of the world to bring in and help Oil India Limited to adopt it. That's one piece. In terms of uh, onshore exploration, We would enhance our portfolio through our concerted strategy of doing enhanced oil recovery. And there we have been successful. And I must tell you this today we are producing about 600 barrels per day from our Jaisalmer Basin asset. But this is one of the oldest oil, 1 billion plus or nearly 1 billion plus, sitting at a depth of about 1,060 meters within the Jodhpur sandstone. And this oil is non-flowing with about 1,000 centipoise viscosity. So, we are actually soaking the formation with pure steam at a temperature of 360 degrees for 21 days. And then after 21 days, once you switch off, the oil starts flowing to the surface. So, we are expanding that effort also. Plus, we are already placed an order and we are going to do hydrofracking for those tight formations sitting at a depth of 3000 plus meters to enable the hydrocarbon molecules to flow. So these are a couple of those technologies which we are adopting. So what you described earlier is fracking, isn't it? Is fracking, yes. But this fracking is different from the one not in principle, Principle principle-wise it is same, but the way the fracking is done for the the sale oil, sale gas uh, asset in USA and what we are going to do here.
1: Right, that's interesting. Uh, Let me bring in my last one or one and a half questions. You are going to be part of the India Energy Week, which obviously brings together uh, energy companies like yourselves and everything uh, that goes with it. So what are you looking out for or looking forward to?
0: Three things. The last year experience uh, with uh, India Energy Week has been an excellent experience. The platform that has been created by Ministry of Petroleum and Natural Gas and Government of India, creating the narrative called India Energy Week, gives us an opportunity to interact who's who in the sector, who's who in the industry, coming together from the globe to India. And by virtue of the one-on-one or the bilateral discussions that we have with the IOCs and NOCs of the world, helps us paving or creating that narrative of collaboration. Now, it takes time. The entities would like to look at uh, Oil India's data, the confidentiality agreement has to be signed, and the purpose is they would actually assess the assets in terms of it. Material IT It takes time, but that nucleus is actually germinated in IEW. That's one piece. Second, as part of our production announcement, we also do a lot of PEC contract. So we would also expect the startups or the entities which are interested to delve into the uh, ecosystem of oil and gas to collaborate with Oil India Limited, and that also would happen in IEW that is the second piece. The third piece, which is very, very important, is to tell the oil story to the world. So the stall that we are going to put up this year, I must tell you, it's a very planned approach to state and to share with the world, with the legacy of Oil India Limited, 100-year-plus, with the latest acquisition of NRL and the possibilities of uh, stepping Further down to the chemical derivatives, while oil and gas will remain as a mainstay for mobility, it offers immense opportunity for chemical derivatives, which is a narrative already existing in the world. We would do it. Plus, telling the story that Oil India Limited as an integrated energy company will continue to do focused attention in terms of expedited exploration and enhanced production, so probably one of the best possible partner for any entity or energy giant looking at India with their favorable considerations. So that's the third piece
1: that we are looking at. Right. So, absolutely, last question. Uh, You know, if you were to go back a few decades, what would you say to a young person, because you mentioned startups, which means uh, young people who should look at energy, both conventional and non-conventional. What would you say uh, to someone who's, let's say, passing through IIT Kharagpur, maybe considering, should I do geology? Should I not do geology? And what is the future ahead?
0: For geologists, there is absolutely no problem with the kind of exploration narrative that is unveiling. Not only in oil and gas in mineral sector also, or in natural resource sector per se in totally plus there is another dimension of geology which is called engineering geology, which is actually a mainstay for infrastructure development so for geologists, I don't see any difficulty that's one piece, but let me tell you it's not about only geologists it's about engineers it's about the MBAs who are practising HR. It's about the finance people. Now, for everybody, India continues to remain a bright spot. And as a public sector undertakings, we have a social commitment in terms of creating a capital-intensive narrative. I mean, you must appreciate that last year, the oil and gas PSUs, in total, we did about 1 lakh crore investment. And this year, we will also do a similar number. All these investments in hydrocarbon space creates economic opportunity and employability. That's one part. Plus, we also gave a lot of thrust and startups. And last year, in IEW, two of the startups, which were incubated under uh, Oil India Limited, were awarded first and second rank also. And they're very, very... Uh, forward looking and uh, we have continued to uh, create a narrative in terms of encouraging startups. We have a initiative called SNAke and we collaborate with IITs, IIMs for uh, helping the students to create those uh, opportunities and last like last year I'm sure this year also we will have a display of uh, those innovative ideas through the startups. And uh, some of them will be also nurtured by Oil India Limited. And some of them will be future uh, Oil India partners. So that's something which also happens in
1: IW. Right. And that's a very uh, positive note to end on, uh, looking at the future, looking uh, at the future with Young India. Uh, thank you so much for joining me, Mr. Dutt. Thank you very much. That was the core report with me, Govindraj Ethiraj. Do stay connected with more of our coverage at the core. You can check out our website or sign up to our newsletter for our exclusive stories, one in depth feature a day on www.thecore.in. Do also track us on LinkedIn, where we usually post synopses or extracts of our top stories and interviews. We would love your feedback on how we can make business more interesting and relevant, including, of course, India's vibrant manufacturing sector. So write to us at feedback at And thank you once again for listening.